0: Thank y'all for being here this morning. I enjoy worshiping God together with y'all, singing those songs, coming together to, to lift him up. It's a great thing. This morning we have a topic, uh, a topic that is oftentimes misunderstood and uh, is, it, sometimes we think we understand it, but maybe, maybe we don't fully understand it. And uh, maybe if you hear the term God's will, uh, you'll say, you know what, I I know exactly what that means. I know exactly what that's talking about. You know, I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life when God's will was a little bit hard to find, a little blurry, a little foggy, wasn't always there. So what I want to do is kind kind of not completely change the way you view God's will. But I want you to maybe take a little bit different look at it this morning. Oftentimes we find ourselves looking for God's will. Have you ever used the magic finger method? Where you flip through your Bible and you close your eyes and you point to a verse and you read that verse and that's what God's will for my life is today. Have you ever used that method? Maybe it's a method of you pray for God's will. You pray for His will in an open door. Maybe that's how you pray. Maybe that's how you find God's will. That's an open door. Well, that's an open door. There's one right there. Does that mean we should go through that door? Well, in some cases, maybe. In some cases, maybe not. Maybe we pray for shut doors. Hey, God, this is the direction I feel like I want to go, but if you don't want me to go that direction, shut the door. Keep me out of there if you don't want me going that way. There's many methods that, uh, that we may use. To find God's will. In the Old Testament, we find Moses standing in front of a burning bush. It wasn't hidden to Moses. It was very obvious to Moses what he wanted, what God wanted him to do, right? He was. It was right there in front of his face in the form of a burning bush. Have you ever seen the Prince of Egypt, the movie? The scene where Moses kind of crawls into this little cave and and comes to the moment where God is going to speak to him in the burning bush. I love that scene. I I have that pictured in my head. Every time I go through that passage of scripture, I picture that scene in my head. The animators did a phenomenal job there. Paul, on the way to Damascus, had what? A blinding light. He was riding his horse, got knocked off his horse. Well, in one case, he got knocked off his horse. We don't actually read that in the scripture, but he was on on his road, on his way to Damascus and and a bright light shone on him. That was God's will, right? It came right down on him and he knew exactly what God's will for his life was. Gideon had a fleece, right? God asked Gideon to do something and Gideon's like, are you sure? Well, if, if this is what it's supposed to, then make, make, the, make the fleece wet and the ground dry, and he woke up and the fleece was wet and the ground was dry. And he's like, oh, well, maybe that's the way it's supposed to be. Maybe we to switch it around. Let's let's make the, the fleece dry. Maybe I'm saying it wrong. Maybe it was the other way around first. But anyway, one or the other. And, and then it came out that way again. Well, God wanted him to do that, right? It was God's will for his life. Maybe it's the still small voice that you listen to as God's will. You know, some of us, some of us view... Seeking God's will as as almost like a giant cosmic Easter egg hunt where we're just kind of searching around looking for for what God wants us to do. With so much written in the Bible, with so much plain and simple black and white, why did God leave His will as a spiritual hide-and-seek? I don't think we're supposed to find God's will. Because I don't think God's will was ever hidden in the first place. We've looked at several weeks worth of life changing attitudes. Life changing attitudes. The first week we talked about accountability. The second week we talked about compassion, feeling empathy with others. We talked about financial security. We talked about surrender. We talked about contentment. We talked about self worth. We also communicated about perspective and humility. We looked at all of these different life-changing attitudes, things that we should take on to change our attitudes and make it more like what God wants us to be. God's will, in a sense. We started here in this series, and we're going to end here as well, with Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Turn there with me, if you will, if you've got your Bible. The table of contents in the front. God put that there so that you knew exactly what page to find the book of Romans. If you've got an electronical device that... Electronical? I don't know if that's a name or a word. Electronic device. (laughs) Poke poke it and make it go to Romans chapter 12 and look at it with me. Verses 1 and 2. Before we go there, let's look to God in word of prayer. God... We want want your will to be part of our lives. We want to be part of you. We know you want to be part of us. And God, I thank you so much for those that made an effort to be here this morning and that want to learn more about what you want for their life. God, I pray that as we dive into this passage of Scripture that we'll be able to understand it better, apply it to our lives, and not just make uh, your word something that's nice to hear, but God, that it's something that we actually put into practice in our lives. God bless us this morning. Give us the strength to and the courage to take the thoughts about maybe the way we perceived your will and, and maybe turn them upside down so that we get a better understanding of what it is that you want us to have. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans chapter 12. Starting in verse 1. I'm going to read out the NIV. It says, Therefore. I like the NLT too. It says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind you will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. How will you know God's will? I'm going to give us four steps this morning. We're going to talk about four steps, how we're going to know God's will. Number one, always remember God's mercies. If we want to be within God's will, we need to remember God's mercies. In view of God's mercies, Rome was one of the greatest empires in all history. And in Rome... Everything was great and grand and huge and and, and just large. It was a, was a, 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 a great area. It was a great thing. But in the midst of their greatness came a little town where there was a man, a rabbi, that came along and completely upset just about everything. He came along and taught with power that was unmatched to other people making this same claim. Blind people were being able to see. Lame people were being able to walk. People that had leprosy are now walking around with tank tops, showing off their new skin. There were stories of 5,000 people at one time being fed by one little boy's lunch. Usually when these would pop up, these crazies would pop up, these these radicals would pop up. You'd kill their leader and the cult would die off. But not in this case. There were 12 followers that followed this particular rabbi, and once their leader had died and rose from the dead, they became even more radical. They would take beatings and just keep on preaching. If one was burned at the stake, there would be two or three more that would step up and take their place. Things were a little different. This was a little different. Paul was writing to the Romans. They understood this whole concept, that there was just one God. Paul is telling them there's just one God. And in Rome, there were many gods, right? There were always gods popping up. In chapter 1, he says there's only one God. Chapter 2, he says, You can't work hard enough or be good enough to get to this God. In chapter 3, he says, we, We've got this problem. We've got this problem. If there is one God, we've blown it. We've, we've all messed up. We can't make it to him because of our sin. In chapter 4 and 5, he says, Here's what God has done to get you back. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Here's how much Christ loves you. How much is he willing to pay? for you chapter 6 it's a gift it's, it's not something you can earn it's not something you deserve you never can and you never will chapter 7 and 8 there's going to be a battle within a constant battle inside of each of us where we, we want to do what's right but our, our fleshly desires pull us into the things that are wrong you walk by faith in what God has said he ends chapter 8 by telling us that there's nothing that can separate us from God's love Chapter 9 and 10, he says he adopts us into his family. You aren't just a servant. You aren't just a slave. You are a son and a daughter, a prince and a princess of the king. Chapter 11 tells us how we've been grafted in. It's not just for one type of person. It's not just for people who were born into it. It's for losers like you and me. To end chapter 11, he says, everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. Because of all that, because of chapters 1 through 11, he comes to chapter 12 and he says, because of all that, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies. If we remember what God has done for us, it's much easier to be within God's will. Number one, remember, always remember God's mercies. Number two, decide to give yourself entirely to God. If we're going to be within God's will, we need to decide to give ourselves entirely to God. Do we put a little bow on our head and a a little tag on our sleeve that says, to God, from? (laughs) Is that what he's talking about? We give ourselves as a gift to God? God. How do we give ourselves entirely to God? How do we make Him Lord of our lives? It's no longer a self centered universe. It becomes a God centered universe. It becomes one centered around Him. He says to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. That's a lot of Bible talk, right? Off your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. It's your true and proper worship. What does that mean? In Roman times, there were lots of gods, and there were lots of different types of worship. You could just about pick anything you wanted to do. If it was something you liked to do, there was probably a God that made that thing their worship, right? If you liked to to hunt and fish, there was probably a God that was over that and that's what you do to worship that god back in roman times it was that way if you liked sexual pleasure it was artemis that you worshiped because it was constant sexual orgy constantly day and night sacrifice what does it mean to sacrifice they knew what it meant to sacrifice there were gods where they would offer things to their god they would lay it up on the arms of their God and let it be burned up and consumed. To offer something on the fire, it meant it was consumed completely by God. I'm not asking us to light ourselves on fire, right? Stop, drop, and roll. We don't want to, we don't want to get our, burn ourselves up, but we do want to be consumed with Him. Paul says a living sacrifice. He doesn't want ritual, he wants you. He doesn't want your gifts. He wants you. He came here to be with you. He wants you. I have to be honest Father's Day is a very depressing time if you consider the monetary value of the gifts, right? Right, debts? Silly little cards and crafts that are hanging all over my office and all over my garage. They're really kind of depressing in, in, way, in monetary ways, right? But they're not in every other way. Even when they do go out and buy you something, like uh, it's just just things that they'll come home with. That it's like, You know, if I would have wanted one of those, I probably would have just gone out and bought it myself. But you act like you enjoy it, right? Because of what? Because of who gave it. It's because they're my kids. It's the greatest thing ever. It's not the gifts. It's them. I want them. They're my kids and I want to feel their love. The idea of sacrifice is that is that we're being consumed. And you can't take it back. Once you, once you place it up there on the altar, it can't be taken back. It's consumed. You burn your hands if you try to take it back. He wants us daily to be consumed with Him. Kids give their all to their dads. You know, that's what they do. And that's what dads love. Decide to give yourself entirely to God if we want to be within God's will. Number three, we need to resist conforming to culture in thoughts and in actions. This one's the worst. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Paul writes to the Romans, don't conform to the pattern of the world. Don't make yourself look like them, act like them, think like them. Don't conform to their ways. Don't get sucked in to their way of thinking. We have a culture here. We have a, we have a deep respect for the truth in God's word, right? Right? But there's parts of it that that I don't like. And there's parts of it that I don't agree with. But you know what? Those are the parts I need to pay very special attention to. Because those are the ones that I have to force myself to conform to. That's how I know I'm His. And that's how I know I'm no longer my own. I'm being consumed by Him. I'm following His way rather than my way. When your feelings differ from the thoughts and ideas of God's Word, that's when we need to conform to its teaching. That's when we need to change our thinking and conform to what God wants rather than what the world is thinking. I'm conforming to what He wants What he desires for my life, not what I desire, not what I want. Don't allow yourself to be shaped by the culture around you. Rather, be shaped by the truth. We constantly run into ideas from our culture, right? always running into things that come, uh, come our way from, from the culture. There's always things landing in our plate, like this is the way we should think. This is the way we should do things. This is the way that you should treat this particular type of person. And, and maybe it's their sexual orientation, or maybe it's their, the, the, the way they've chosen to dress, or maybe it's their... It could be anything. Always things coming our way from culture. We compare those thoughts and ideas with God's Word and find out that they are, in many cases... Polar opposites. Sometimes they're completely different than the way God wants us to think. They may be thinking like this, and God's word says, No, we need to be thinking like this. So, who do we conform to? Don't allow yourself to be shaped by the culture around you. So many times we hear the world say one thing, and then we find that it's not that way at all in Scripture. We have a choice. We can either be defined and refined by the truth of God's word or we can allow the world to suck us in and we become just like them. We find the American culture drifting farther and farther from the truth of God's word. It's, it's not, you know, it used to be America was, you, you say you're a Christian and, and therefore you're an American or if, if you're an American, therefore you're a Christian. It's not that way anymore. It's drifting farther and farther apart. We've got to do something different with the way we think. We find multiple points where God's word says one thing and yet others, and what others are saying is completely different. It's no fair. It's not the way I see it. I don't agree with that. I get it. I understand your point. But God's word is still the ultimate source. It's like this. Do I let my feelings be my God in my life or do I let the Lord Jesus Christ be the God of my life. I don't understand parts of God, God's word. There's parts of it I don't get. And, and I don't get I don't. I don't completely comprehend everything about it. And because, that, because of that, or maybe I should say because of the things that he has proven, because of the things that have happened in my life that has proven God's word, Those are the things I rely on. His truth has been undeniable in so many ways that I will accept the things that I don't fully understand. He and His truth are trustworthy. We have to resist conforming to the thoughts and actions of our culture. We have to live by faith, not by feelings. I want to live by feelings, honestly. Quite honestly, it's much easier if I just live by feelings. But you know what happens when... Your feelings guide the way you live. It's a train wreck. I know it has been in my life. Anytime I just live by my own feelings and my own desires and my own will, my life becomes a train wreck. My life becomes a complete disaster. Anytime I start listening and obeying and applying God's truth to my life, whenever I make God Lord of my life, things start moving in the right direction in my life. It's not health and wealth. That's not what I'm talking about. When the Bible gets to areas of finance, when it talks about sexuality, when it gets into stuff about relationships, when it discusses areas of morality, that's when I need to listen. I understand it's not, it's not always fun. And God's Word says says all kinds of things about, you know, like even things about loving your enemy. But you just don't understand. You just don't understand, man. These, you don't understand what they've done to me. You don't understand the lawsuit. You don't understand the, the, the whole child custody battle. I know, I know. It doesn't make sense. But here's what God says to do with people like that. And what's funny is if we listen to God's will, to God's word, to the truths that, truth that are there, Rather than conforming to my feelings, conforming to my way of doing things, if we do it God's way, guess what happens? It's better for us. Things will actually turn out better for us. You don't have to follow it, you can live with feelings as your God. Now, listen to me. Time will tell as the consequences of your decisions start playing out in the lives of your children, your grandchildren, don't come crying. Actually, you can. But it's so hard. It's so hard when you see people follow their own feelings about all of these things and then end up in a world of hurt. We will, at the church at Loveland, continue to follow God's thoughts and ideas in His Word as a guide for our decisions. Unapologetically, you won't hear me say, I'm really sorry, but we have to follow God's plan on this one. I'm not sorry that we have to. I'm not sorry that we get to. This book is for everyone. It's for every age. It's for every race. It's for every size. It's for every color. It's good it was good in 1967, and it's going to be good in 2027. It doesn't make any difference what year it is. This book is still going to be the answer. His thoughts over my feelings. That's God's will. It gets to the point in our lives where we realize that, that our way isn't really working all that well. We see what God has done for us, and so we make a decision to put Him first place. We understand that God put His Son on the cross so that we could have and experience redemption. We're washed with the blood of the Lamb, the watery grave of baptism, when we receive that gift of the Holy Spirit, we put on Christ, we take Him on, and we say, God, I want you as my guide. Not my feelings anymore. Not the world's thoughts anymore. It's your way. It's God's way resist conforming to culture in thoughts and actions. And number four, we need to choose to think differently. Romans chapter 12 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person. By what? By changing the way you think. So many times when relationship between husband and wife is in trouble, one or the other decide to come and and, and talk about it, but there's one that doesn't. There's one that says, you know what? I've already heard it once. They decide to let their feelings dictate how the relationship is going to go. You know what happens? Things don't turn out too well track record is awful. But when two people decide to make God Lord of their lives and Lord of their, mar- their marriage, when they begin to feel it, follow God's ideas for what a relationship should look like, the opposite is also true. The track record shows. Those relationships work. They last forever because they're based on sacrificial and unconditional love. Real joy and happiness is found in the hearts of those who obey the will of God in their relationships. Think about it. Think about your own track record. How does it work in your life? How do things work out when, when, when you're following God's will for your life? And how does it turn out when you're following your own feelings and your own desires? For me, it's scary how different things turn out pretty amazing. Like I said, it's not its not total health and wealth. It's not like my old truck with all the issues that it has and all the problems that it has is going to be just magically switched with the neighbor's brand new one that he just bought. It's not going to be that way. That's not the way it's going to be. That's not the way God's will works. But you know what? I sleep better at night Not only do, the like, do I like the person that I'm sleeping in was in the bed with, but I also like me better when I'm doing God's will. When I'm following His will for my life. It's not all about me. I found out that, that, that I can have a positive impact on people around me. If I start taking, stop taking my feelings on the issue and start looking at God's thinking on the issue, things work out better. I feel better at the end of the day. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Wait, wait, I thought this sermon was about God's will. Which job to take, which girl to marry, what college to pick, what insurance company to go with, what house to buy. Nope, that's not God's will. What? God doesn't think I should do this or that? I don't think he cares. Look back at it with me. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What are, those ver- what are those books written for? What's the purpose of those books? Why are they there and what's in them? It's a story, right? It's the, it's the gospel. It's the life of Christ. It's from, from birth to death and then beyond, right? And it's all of the things that he did in his life. And, and we have very good details about all of the things that happened who was in charge and where they were and how come they went to here and here and here and different places and different officers that were in place and different, different, all these different times and things were going on. Historical account of what happened, right? But I'm going to sum that up, the Gospels, in three phrases. Sum it up in three fa- phrases. What was Jesus' whole point? What are the whole point of these three or four, rather, books of the, of the Bible? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Number one, follow me. He said, follow me. 32 times in the gospel, Jesus says, follow me. That's God's will. That's what he wants. He wants you to follow me. What's next? Remain in me. Remain in me. He says, follow me, but he also says, remain in me. 11 times he says, remain in, him, in me. He doesn't go into the details. He doesn't go into all the ins and outs of how life is going to be. And he doesn't say, well, well, Peter, you're going to go here. And John, you're going to go there. And Andrew, you're going to go here. He just says, here it is. Follow me and remain in me. He says it 11 times. Just 11 times. It starts with the letter R and ends with, remain I made." Remain in me. And the third one is, I will always be with you. I'll be with you always. Follow me, remain in me, and I'll be with you always. If we're following him, if we're remaining in him, he will be with us always. Once again, he didn't give them all the details. And oftentimes, they're they're sitting on the seashore trying to figure out which way to go. And they pray, and it's like, where, where, where should I go today? Where should I go? Paul didn't know he was going to, he's going to be writing a book to Rome, to the church in Rome. He didn't know that there was going to be a church there. Jesus Christ probably, well, obviously he knows, but he knew. But, but Jesus didn't tell Paul that he was going to start a church in Rome. That's just, that's just happened because he was following Christ. He said, follow me, remain in me, and I'll always be with you. I don't know what to do. I know what to do. Jesus said, follow me. Remain in me, and I'll always be with you. Be with God. Walk with him. Trust him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding, and seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Remain in me. Follow me. Matthew 6 and verse 33 says, all of these things that you want and desire and need, all of these things are out there. So I will give you all of them, all you need from day to day if you live for me. And you make the kingdom of God your primary concern, the Lord's church, your primary concern. All that other stuff's gonna fall into place. Put God first place in your life. Keep him at the center, the most focal point in your life. Micah 6.8 says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. God wants you to be with Him. Proverbs 4 verse, uh, verse 18 it says, The path of the righteous is like a morning sun, shining even brighter to the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. You want to know what God's will is? Walk in the light that God has given you. Well, I just don't, I can't see, I can't, I can't see what the future's going to be. I don't know what's going to happen next week. I'm scared, I'm nervous. Live and walk in the light that he's given you. Even if it's just a little piece, walk in that light. And like this verse says, The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. You know what? The flashlight comes up. The lantern comes up and backs away. And sometimes you can see farther in advance when you're within the will of God. If you're following Him, if you're making Him part of, not part of your life, the most important part of your life, and lastly, God's will for us has always been relational, not rational. You can't, you can't be logical about it. It's relational. He wants to be with you. He just wants to be, spend time with you. It's like this. It's kind of like my kids. I don't have a will for them. Not that kind of a will. Not like when I die, and you know, like it's gonna, the, my bills are going to be distributed to the kids. It's not like that kind of will. It's like I don't, I don't have a will for them. I don't. I don't care what career, career they pick, right? I don't I really care where they, where they go to college. And as a dad, I, I just don't have a will for them. I, I want them to choose what's best for them, right? I don't care who they marry. I care the type of person that they marry. I care, the, I care about the type of job that they, they pick. But I don't, I don't have all that planned out for them. I don't have a will for them. I just want to be with them, there's times our relationship gets rocky, though. They start talking back to mom. <laughs> you don't talk back to mom in my house. That's a problem. My kids understand it as dad escalates when that happens. And I hit the top of my escalation when somebody backtalks mom. You don't do that. So our relationship at times is a little rocky. They lie and say that their homework is done, and the next day we get a note back from the teacher, and it becomes a problem, right? Come around the corner and find chocolate all over Cameron's face after I told her no more chocolate. There's a problem, isn't there? There's a time when our relationship is not as good as others' relationship gets stressed once in a while around the house because there's, you know, just out of obedience. But I want them to figure out the details. I want them to figure out what it is that they want to do in their life. I don't have a will for them. And it's just like that with with God. He doesn't have necessarily a will for us. He doesn't care what color of shirt you wear. He doesn't care if you pick the worst team in the NFL. Sorry, JR. (laughs) It's okay. He's all right with that. He just wants you to walk with him. In that loss, he wants you to walk with him. Right? He wants you to be with him. God's will is not a navigation system that gives out turn-by-turn directions. He's he's not going to share every step of the way. God sent his son to die on the cross to redeem you. He just wants you to be in a relationship with him. seem to get so caught up in what we're supposed to do, and what we're supposed to think, and what we're supposed to be, and how we're supposed to act, and what we're supposed to dress like, and how we're supposed to... It's who we are supposed to be with. That's the most important thing it's who not what not how it's who you're not supposed to find god's will because it was never hidden all he wants to do is be with you give him your life allow him to be with you allow him to dwell within you that's what he wants he just wants you he just wants your love that's all he wants The rest is mere details. God's will. A life-changing attitude. Uh, Taking on God's will. Taking on uh, the thought process. But you know what? It's not necessarily all the little details that God cares about. What he cares about is just being with us. Let him be with you. If you felt distant this week, if you felt like, you know, God's just not really with me today. God's just not really, hasn't been a part of my life this week. You know what? Just spend some time with Him. Stop the hecticness of life. Stop the noise. Have you ever tried to silence your mind? Just silence your mind and spend time with God. Just be in His presence. Just allow Him to be with you. That's what God's will is. Thank you for your attention this morning. I hope that there's been some things that we've been able to share that have been a blessing to your life.